0: Hey, what is going on, world? And happy holidays here from Addis Ababa. This is Kwame Salfamenta, owner and founder of Identity Talk Consultant LLC, as well as your host for another episode of Identity Talk um, Educators for Educators uh, Live. See, I can't even talk because I'm so excited <laughs> about Christmas. It's um, all good. <laughs> we have a special guest. Usually, I have actual educators you know, who come and they share about their experiences in the classroom and in their communities. But today I have a student, y'all. I have a, not just a high school student, but I have an activist. I got a young Huey Newton, a young Fred Hampton. <laughs> he, he's on that wavelength right now, y'all. I'm trying to tell y'all. He Thank is you. a disruptor. Ooh. A disruptor. And, and the crazy thing about it is he's just scratching the surface. Oh, he's just man. scratching the surface. But, um, I had the honor of meeting this brother at the state of black learning conference, um, in Pittsburgh. So, you know, Pittsburgh is a special place for me because I have so many friends from the area, from the four one two. And, um, they always talk about how great Pittsburgh is. So I finally had a chance to visit um this past August for this conference. And um bumped to this brother. Funny story. I honestly believe I honestly thought that his brother was like around my age, because you know, I'm in my mid-30s. <laughs> this guy comes in, flies, Man. I don't know what, had the suede loafers, got the Oh. Got the blazer on, man. Looking all fresh, man. I said, okay. <laughs> and and I and I have a keen eye when it comes to fashion, so those yeah. are things I pick up immediately. So I mm-hmm. said, all right, he he's somebody. I don't know who he is, but he's somebody. So, oh, um, you. so we were able to you know connect, you know, over there, and then after the conference, you know, over the months, we've been able to you know connect some more, and I've been able to learn a lot about this brother. So. Let me just get into the, the resume real quick. I can't say too much because it's so extensive, but <laughs> i want to put out some, um, some of these superlatives here. So this is Cecil Price III. He is a mm-hmm. senior at the Barack Obama Academy of International Studies in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is the senior um, student body president. But, but check this out, y'all. He's also the president... Of the African American Center for Advanced Studies, um, executive committee, which is a body that was formed by Pittsburgh Public Schools, I believe. Ooh, so, if I'm, not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, see, so this is a this is the gifted program for um, African Americans.
1: So essentially, so it is a separate entity of the gifted and talented program that was formed during like the 1991-1992 school year uh, from parents, from two parents, Jesse Kemp from the Camps, And they saw that there really wasn't support for African American students in this gifted program. So as time went on, they had a council, but they wanted to create an executive committee that helps to drive the doings of the council. So as time went on, they... It was only in the Order School, but they saw that they were, it was doing so well in the Order School okay.
0: that he wanted to expand throughout all schools, throughout all of the nine high schools and PPS. All right, all right, awesome, awesome. So we're gonna talk more about that um, later on in this uh, interview. But um, I understand too that he's in the process, because he's a senior, he's in the process of applying for different schools, scholarships. Cool. Yes. And I understand you've already received a lot of offers from different universities. <laughs> so we'll we'll get to that as well. But this is a phenomenal brother, and um, we want to welcome him to a day talk for educators live. Please welcome Mr. Cecil Price the Third. Welcome, brother.
1: Oh, long you, time man.
0: coming, man. Long time. Yes, coming. it has. Yes, it yes, has. Well,
1: well, when you told me about this, and you said it's usually for educators, it's for teachers. And you wanted me to be the, the first student. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. Because, like you said before, when we talked before, you usually get the perspective of adults, of those educators. But it's truly essential when you get that voice of the student because you can't talk about the student without talking to the student. So, to get their perspective about what's going on in the classroom, you need that student voice as well to help formulate that idea of what education should be.
0: Oh, yes, sir. And, and honestly, That's just been the story of my career. Like if you ask any of my former students, I'm always about trying to create an environment where students are most comfortable learning and they feel like they can be themselves in front of me. Yes. If I don't ask the students about their opinions and get a sense of how they best learn, what their Mm -hmm. thoughts are about different things that go on in the classroom, how can I improve as an educator? That's just that's always been my thinking, so anything that yes, anything that I do has to be informed by the students. So yeah, well, and we're gonna get into a lot of that um, as we um, <laughs> have our conversation. We have time, but yes, you know, let's let's get right into it, um, Cecil. So we know about all these accolades and achievements, but let's talk about you personally. So. Well, you know, talk, talk to us about yourself. You know, what should the world know about Cecil Price III? What should they know about you?
1: Yes. So um, I was born and raised in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I had a really good foundation because of my mother, uh, Celia Price, uh, who is from Jamaica, and my dad's from Haiti. So, you know, I had that strict kind of Caribbean lifestyle. Yes. But <laughs> um, even, though, even though it was so strict, my mom kind of had that release. Um, even though she pushed myself to be the best person that I can be, mm-hmm. it wasn't always, oh, get that A, get that A, get that A. Mm-hmm. And she thought, if she thought I can do my best, if I get a B on a test, if I get a C on a test, she knows that as long as I try my best, it should be fine with that. But with yeah. me, my personal end game, I, I didn't believe in just passing. I wanted to excel. So I always wanted to get that A, get that A. So I started off uh, in elementary school at the Urban Academy, Uh, where I actually do some of my work. Now I give back to my own community. I'm I'm now an educator at Urban Academy. And then I progressed um, in sixth grade. Now in 12th grade at the Brock Obama Academy. So a lot of my life has revolved around education. And that's why I truly believe where my stepping stones after high school can progress in. And I have two little sisters, uh, Sierra and Serena. uh, They're both 11 and 13. And to be someone who has seen them growing up, and to see myself grow up as well, and to leave now in that span of years, I want to implement that in them, to know that education is their kind of way of getting out of that systematic oppression, and to not be withheld or to not be driven by that kind of push that America tries to say that we are. So I told them that... um, like Malcolm X was said, education is the passport to the future. The, future, yeah. for the bar yeah. belongs to those who prepare for it today. So as, a, as, a, as long as they prepare for that world that they have to endure, there's nothing that they can't accomplish. So that's kind of a mindset that I believe and also my sister's to believe as well.
0: Oh, man, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, man. But see, I'm already getting chills already. That was just <laughs> question. Gosh but um but yeah there's so much to talk about so yes so you're at the urban academy so that's where um i believe mr mr chase patterson right yes sir yep that's yep. that yeah so so for those who don't know uh, mr chase patterson who is the ceo of the urban academy yes he's also the main organizer for the state of black learning conference so shout out to him yes, uh, i appreciate the invite hey, so patterson. Hopefully I can get back there um, next year, you know, God willing, because yes, it was sir. an awesome conference. But um, let, yeah, but let's let's keep it moving. Um, let, let's talk about Barack Obama Academy. So you've been there since sixth grade or seventh grade, sixth grade, Ooh, since sixth yeah. grade. So, oh, goodness. so last half of your grade school life. So tell us about Barack Obama Academy. For those who don't know what that experience is like as a student. Yes. What what has that been like for you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just going into Obama Academy, I was actually put on the waiting list. And, you know, the the school uh, runs in August and I didn't Mm -hmm. get there until September. And, you know, my mom got that call. It was actually on a Friday. It was a missed call. I'm in my room laying down, reading a book. And she, she bangs on my door, Cecil, Cecil, Cecil. I'm like, what's up? What's, what's wrong? What's wrong? Actually, I got a call from Obama. You're accepted. So it was like 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. My mom didn't care it was a Friday. We drove to Obama. She got me in the class, and we sat down as a family my first day. And back in uh, sixth grade, they had something called Friday Focus, where it wasn't really a structured learning day. It was more so the classes that you didn't get to on your normal Monday through Thursday, you get to experience on that Friday. And me walking into Obama Academy, uh, the students didn't know who I was. You know, I had my little uh, button-down shirt. They actually thought I was a substitute teacher back in sixth grade, (laughs) back in sixth grade. Even in
0: sixth grade, they was making that (laughs) mistake. That's crazy. (laughs) Just
1: just imagine that, being a sixth grade student and your other fellow students thinking you're a teacher. Just imagine how that could be. But aside from that, from sixth grade to 12th grade, not most students can say they've been in one school for that many years. Mm -hmm. So have that sort of foundation, have that second family, it's amazing because you're there for more than half of your day. Mm -hmm. So that is essentially the people that you know, people you grow up with. So just being in that kind of comfort zone is amazing for me because it basically shaped and molded me into the person I am today. Wow! And for most, most people that don't know this, Obama Academy is an IB school, and it's an international baccalaureate word, school. Yep. yep, international baccalaureate. And from sixth through 10th grade, um, they have a middle years program. Gosh. And then they have the DP uh, from 11th to 12th grade, the diploma program. And throughout sixth to through 10th grade, they prepare you for that diploma program. And just to say, I'm actually one of those uh, diploma candidates, and it, it's not an easy route. They, oh, they, no. Sometimes... Oh no, see yeah, so you didn't
0: even know. I so, know about I B, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they compare it from AP to I B and just to say, like the kind of stuff I'm already doing right now, and to have that combined on top of it, it's a lot. But just talking to past graduates of Obama Academy, they say their college experience has been a breeze. It is it's a breeze because of the work that they put in at Obama Academy. Yep. So just to be in that type of space, type of zone, to know that I'm prepared for after high school is a breach for me. It's, it's okay for me because to put in that work now, for me to have an easier life later, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Man, but I know with the IB program, which is rare in a lot of high schools. I mean, it's something that's growing in the U.S., but if you go to a lot of international schools outside of the U.S., It's very commonplace. Very, very. Just about every school that's in Addis Ababa has an IB program. So there are kids who are already getting that college prep during their high school years. And essentially, by the time you get out of the IB program, you've already accumulated probably enough credits to to complete your freshman year. That's how rigorous it is. Exactly, exactly. So essentially... You've already done your first yeah. year of college while still in high school. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
1: sir. Yeah, so, I mean, I, in middle school, I didn't know that was going to happen. I was just going through the workings of middle school. But to have the type of teachers that I have now, to know that their preparation for me within the classroom and outside the classroom, I know that even though I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up afterwards, but I have kind of have an idea of where I'm going to end up after high school. But to have that preparation early is something that no student can even think of. So I'm happy that Obama is the school that it is for that kind of preparation for all students.
0: All right. Awesome. And let's stay on the students for a second because you are the leader of the students, particularly the seniors. So what has that role been like for you and how has that experience um, impacted you personally, you know, being the senior class president?
1: Yeah. Um so Obama doesn't do the elections traditionally. They actually do it a year early. So I, I was actually um given the role of president last year wow. because when they when they do the elections, they want the current seniors to essentially guide them of what their role of senior student body president will be like in your senior class. So I actually had 2 years of experience to kind of get into my role. So the former president, uh, who was Eli Caruso, he kind of encouraged me to say, "Oh, this is what this what's going to be like." But Mr. Eamon, who is the IB coordinator, mm-hmm. he kind of sat down with me. You know, I'm, I'm a big thinker, so yeah. I like to achieve a lot, but I don't have a lot of time. So mm-hmm. he kind of gave me this analogy. He said, "If you give your student, if you give your class um, a free trip to France, all expense." Paid free a trip to the Eiffel Tower, the trip would be too long. The peanuts would be too stale, and, <laughs> and the uh, Eiffel Tower at the top would be too breezy. So uh, what you trying to say is that even though you do the best for your class, you can't impress everyone. Nope. Not everyone is gonna. Not everyone is gonna be receptive of what you do for your class, even though you're doing a best job. Even though you try to do your best, and to have that kind of mindset at the beginning, the very beginning. Kind of helped me with what I'm going through now. And what I'm going through now, it, it's amazing. I have no complaints with my class because we're a very tight knit class. Okay, And something I could say about the class of 2020 is that we've been through a lot. And not many classes can say that they have endured what we have endured. We have endured passing, overpassing, overpassing passing of our fellow students. And just to have that kind of situation happen to us, wow. we have grown clo- we have grown closer as a student body, but also as a family. And what I stress time and time again is that we are a family. And nothing can break the bond of a family as long as you are close. And I try to be as close and as upfront and as um Kind of transparent with my with my class as possible because that transparency is what allows for the work to be done and even though we have about five months five or four months left of being a class I don't want that five four months to be our end as a family no. even though we're not a class anymore we're still a family so I'm gonna make sure that we have those connections afterwards I'm gonna make sure that we, I'm knowing what everyone is doing. So with that 10, 15, 20 years, or even less than a year, we want to congregate as a family, those things can happen.
0: If, if I'm not mistaken, that's one of your responsibilities as the senior class president. And I know this because my wife was the senior class president for her high school. Yes. She was actually the junior and senior class president for her high school. So, yeah. she, so she, like, we just went to... Um, her 20th high school reunion. Uh, oh wow. Maybe it was last month. And I was also there, we were also there for the 15th um anniversary as well. So I know what that um process is like having to keep that going. So you're you're gonna I mean you're gonna bring everybody together. I mean there's no question Half- about it. Um is it could be because it's more than just Part of your job or your responsibility as a president, I mean, this is something that is genuine, this is something that's organic, yeah, because you all have that love for each other, and it's very easy to formulate that when you've been together for so many years, and like brothers Ooh. and sisters, I mean, yeah, just traveling yeah. as a cohort, yeah, um, and it,
1: even then, like like I said, I've been there for so long. They even said before I even got the position, they wanted me as president in sixth grade and not me. I, I didn't know what the role of president is going to be while I was in sixth grade. But to have a group of people already have that mindset about me and I didn't even get to the classroom yet is something I can't even explain because they, I, I know that they trust me to fulfill the role as president, not just as a resume filler, but as someone who wants to leave a legacy that other students can emulate as well.
0: Yeah, but I think it speaks to who you are because I can see that you're a natural born leader. Now, just, just speaking for myself, I mean, I had to grow into that person. Like I didn't start off being that person. I was a very shy person, you know, just socially throughout, especially throughout my elementary, even middle school years. And then when I got to high school, and then eventually college i started to come out of my shell and yeah. more outgoing and and more confident in who i was so for you to have that that type of um influence on your peers it's it's very commendable because
1: Thank you.
0: It, it doesn't come naturally for everybody some people have to develop it over time like myself um you know late bloomers but you already got that You know, already, but um, yeah, but let's keep this thing moving. So, Barack Obama Academy sounds like a school that I would love to teach in. Um, (laughs) listen, Um, I'll hook you up because
1: I know you would fit in perfectly. Hey, man, if
0: you ever to Pittsburgh, your state, just let me know. All right, listen, I got people who live in Pittsburgh, I got a lot of friends from college who live in Pittsburgh, so I'm sure they let me crash at their crib, so. <laughs> I might have to hold you to your offer. <laughs> I'll call Ms. Cobra
1: right now. Who's our
0: I'll,
1: call I'll call her right now and see what's available for
0: you. I bet. But um, So not only, not only are you um, president for your own school, but you're also the president for the um, African-American Center for Advanced Studies, the executive committee at um pittsburgh public Schools, so i know you shared a little bit about that role um at the beginning of this interview but if you could just add a little bit more to what you shared earlier so we can learn more about what that is that'd be great because it sounds very interesting
1: yes sir so um the african-american cas executive committee is a separate entity of the council Um, i've actually been a part of this executive committee for the past four years Mm -hmm. and I was just a member of the marketing branch for my ninth and 10th grade year. But this, in my ninth grade year, I didn't know what AACAS was. And a good friend of mine, Lucy Purcell Finch, she encouraged me to get up there um, and say why I should be a part of AACAS. Because we have an election, you have to give a one minute speech, and then you are put on the executive committee to represent your school. So luckily I was given that position, ninth and 10th grade, but to have that kind of influence from Lucy, she kind of prepared me to become president in my junior year. And that's not not common for many students. A lot of students are seniors. So for the past three years before me, all the presidents have been seniors. So I've actually, (sighs) yeah. So I've actually, I've had (laughs) the pleasure of being someone who has had two terms as the AACAS president. And uh, what our goal is, is to help, be uh, a beacon of support, encouragement, and advocacy for the AACS Council and maintaining academic, social, and emotional excellence while building balanced identities of self, confidence, and competence. And one of our goals is to have an annual symposium, almost like the State of Black Learning Conference, but it's student-led. So we create a theme, that's one of the goals of the symposium, is that the executive committee creates a theme. So last year, our theme was our current state is not our final fate. And we have more than 30 influential speakers come and talk about that theme. And it can go any which way they would like to go with it, but they have to have um, two sessions, two 40-minute sessions for the students. And we have over – last year was actually the biggest year we had um, for the symposium. It was over 700 students who came at the University of Pittsburgh, for this symposium wow. so yes sir so we had over 700 students they went through their sessions we had lunch and then we had a teen forum so the teen forum is a student-led presentation by the executive committee to the council so we created an underlying theme that connects to the overarching theme so the theme last year for that teen forum was minds can conceive hearts can believe we will achieve so mm-hmm. this whole symposium is a combination of excellence from our African-American sisters and brothers. And to have such a great symposium last year, for the 20, it was actually the 23rd annual symposium, to have that, to be president of that was just astounding. And to be president again for this 24th annual symposium, I wanted to go even bigger with this symposium. And our theme this year is rich in color, rich in life. And to have that kind of embodiment of Black excellence mm-hmm. is, is nothing that can be explained because that is not what is being shown on mass media. These type of situations, these type of events, is not what the public wants to see. They don't want to see our fellow African-American brothers and sisters achieve in such academic fields, in social fields, and anything that we can expand our minds, expand our knowledge. So this is what AACES is about. It's about giving a platform for African-American gifted and talented students who take those advanced courses, who take that extra mile to say, oh, I want to be something in this world because the world wasn't made for me. So let me make it.
0: All right, man. Oof. And you know what? As you were talking, (laughs) I remember you mentioned this during the um, State of Black Learning Conference. You mentioned this conference. Yes, sir. And I believe you met one of my mentors, um, Dr. Sloan Thomas L.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
0: Now, here's where six degrees of separation comes. So, Dr. L was actually, um, when I was still trying to get my teacher certification. He was one of the guys who gave me an opportunity to learn how to be a teacher. Yeah. Like, and this is around time. He was still, um, a principal at a charter school called Russell Byers charter school. And this is, um, before he went on to go to, um, Thomas Edison, uh, charter school, which is in Delaware. Yeah. And, he really played an integral role in helping me become the educator I am today, you know, because, you know, I was young. I thought I knew a lot about teaching and I felt like I deserved to be in the classroom. I deserved to have my own classroom, but he was the one who told me about professionalism. Yeah. I mean, he was the main reason why Like, he's really one of the main reasons why I really, started to pay attention to what I wore to school. Yeah. Cause I mean, prior That's to cool. that, I mean, I had started to wear, you know, ties and slacks, but when I got to Russell Byers and I was under his tutelage, he really was a stickler when it came to how you presented yourself in front of students. So yes. you had to have at the very least, you know, slacks, <laughs> button down shirt, a tie, yeah. You didn't have to have the, the blazer, but you had to at least have those items um, worn. Exactly.
1: And and, many, many students, like, The problem is that many of our young brothers, they, they don't understand the importance of that. And I, I've been lucky enough to have a mother who taught me that when I was in diapers. Mm-hmm. So just growing up in church, I knew the importance of wearing a suit, wearing a tie, mm-hmm. having those items in your closet because when you go out, any any occasion, you're going to present yourself, mm. present your family, and to present anything that you feel as though is, is of importance. Mm. And just as I progressed throughout my middle school, high school career, I just took that to another level. Mm. So to have that kind of platform that I have is important for me to look my best. I can't wear certain things that doesn't make me look good because I know that I have Younger brothers and sisters look at me, not my blood brothers and sisters, but just young brothers and sisters in yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, looking at me, saying, Oh, he's a leader, so let me follow him. So if I'm not doing right, they won't do right as well. So I have to make sure that I look the best, act the best, and be the best so that they can be the best as well
0: it's and that's so true because um now i'm I'm gonna be honest, when I was in high school, I was thinking about wearing a a suit and tie and dressing yeah. up like this was something that like my fashion sense matured as I got mm-hmm. older, so even in college, those um first few years, I was still like wearing casual wear, you know, mm-hmm. you have your jeans, you have a shirt, maybe a few mm-hmm. button downs. But it wasn't until I started to work professionally, it wasn't until I graduated yeah. from, from Temple University. Shout out to Temple University. Hopefully it's a <laughs> considering. Yeah. All right, yes. For um, <laughs> the plug it in. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get you to North Philly, man. But, but, but seriously, um, <laughs> after I graduated from Temple mm. um, from undergrad, And I started to work in different schools. That's when I started to pay attention to what I was wearing because my mindset was, if you, I mean, if you look good, you're going to teach good. Oh, that's, and that's how I feel. If you look good, you're going, you're going to feel good about yourself. Cause we, when you wake up in the morning and this is just me, I wake up in the morning. Yeah. I got my outfit laid out for today. Got my mm-hmm. bow tie laid out for today. Got my tie laid out. Yep. My loafers, man, <laughs> the whole nine. Yeah. And it's like, you feel like a million bucks and then you walk it's into the class. feeling. Yeah. Like, it gets you into a rhythm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like feng shui. Like, you have to have <laughs> the right, you got to have the right combination in order yeah. to channel this positive energy that you need to exert oh, um, cool. for your students. So uh, the importance of just dressing professionally, it's not about putting up a facade. No. It's really about trying to, trying to, you know, go deep within and extract out, you know, this feeling that you want to, you know, show the world, you want to show your students. And yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but all I know is that when I'm not in a good mood, I don't really put a whole lot of effort into what I wear, but when I'm in a great mood,
1: I oh, put all the effort in. <laughs>
0: I am dressing I am dressing to the nines. I'm dressing to the nines. Yep. But I yeah. will say this, it was during those early years when I started to learn about, you know, bow ties, I started yeah. learning about different brand names. Like I was going to Burlington Co-Factory to get slack to get a whole bunch of slacks and I was getting some, um, you know, button downs. Mm-hmm. And then of course, once your money picks up a little bit, then it's like, <laughs> All right, I'm going to graduate from Burlington Co-Factory and then start heading up uh-huh. express. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my I mean exactly. it, It's it's one of my um it's an addiction of mine. Yeah. Love Express. Yeah. Probably 85 to 90% of the wardrobe that I have is from Express. It's from exactly Well, 90, I would say 95% of it, my wardrobe. It's mean, probably that. It's Express. Now, I mean Yeah. But yeah, and I'm and I'm just real talk. Like I I'm very much into like fashion and different trends and I like to put things together. And what's great is the students notice that. And, you know, we we live in an era where it's like, people want to wear their J's to to school. You know, they want to wear, you know, their Vans and slacks, which is no problem. Listen, I grew up, I grew up in the mid nineties. We were wearing baggy. Everything was baggy. Yeah. Like we, you know, we were, you know, we wore baggy clothes. That was just the style back then, and um, you know, oversized shirts. <laughs> Soldier <mean>, boy. <laughs> you no, know, you know, but that was that's what it was back then. So I'm not bad yeah. at the fashion trends, um, even though some Cause, are cause questionable. Also, also kind of yeah, but but I, I respect it. I definitely respect it, and but. Yeah. But when you're able to show students something different that they don't see in their neighborhoods. Yeah. Like that, that's powerful. Like being able to show a student how to tie a tie.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Like there, there were times where I'd be in the middle of a math lesson. Cause you know, I'm a math teacher. I'm in the middle yeah. of a math lesson and a teacher. And then the, the kid asks me, Hey, where'd he get those shoes? I'm trying to get some uh, shoes for church. And uh-huh. I just show them, and I would just show them the website, like, all right, this is the website I got my shoes from, you know, yeah, you know, check that out. You can go to this store downtown. So like, I' when it came to that, I mean, I was always open to just share what, um, you know, you know, what I knew, and you know, what I, where I get my clothes from, because, you know, you yeah. want your kids to look good too, always, and it, and that's. And if that's going to inspire them to work hard for you, but most importantly for themselves, then shoot, why not? If that's going to be the carrot that gets them to push themselves into another level academically and behaviorally, then, you know, I'm all for it. Um, So... Yeah, man, we could talk about fashion all day, but all we got day. so much more to talk about. <laughs> um, all day. That, that might have to be a second, of uh, uh, part two, whatever. But <laughs>
1: fashion but, uh, sets. part two.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but let's st- let's stay on Pittsburgh Public Schools. So you've been in the system your whole life, and as a student of color within Pittsburgh Public Schools, what yeah. would you say are the major issues that impact students of color, uh, within the, the school district um, right now? What will be uh, maybe your top two or three issues? Top
1: two or three. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's a very, it's a very delicate topic, um, to see like, what exactly the issues, that, what the issues are. But I think when it comes to the support of African-American students, and when it comes to support, then also the drive for students mm. because when there is support, I'll say the big issue is support, um, because not many students have that kind of drive to want to excel into anything they want to do. And to see my fellow students in the classroom, they don't want to go that extra mile because oh, you know what? I'm gonna get a C. I'm a pass. I'll be just fine. But there aren't the same type of resources that other schools get. That type of, oh, I'm gonna give you that laptop or I'm gonna give you that computer or I'm gonna give you that notebook, pencil, paper just for you to excel even more. So when it comes to you know other schools getting more than others, I'm like, oh, so just because we're in this community, and they're in that community, mm-hmm. then we don't get the same benefits as if we were in that community as well.
0: There you go. So
1: as I get older, well, when I was younger, I didn't understand that, but once you get older and you start to accumulate more roles and get to become more involved in the school district, mm-hmm. you get to see the inner workings of what happens. And not many students in my grade or below know what's going on in their fellow in their own school district sure so to see that lack of support that lack of attention is truly saddening on my part because they are ignorant to the fact that we aren't getting the same attention or the same kind of uplift to what all our goals should be to excel after high school But if you're not supporting every school the same, then our Excel rate won't be the promising thing that you want it to be. So if not everyone is getting the 100% attention like everyone else is getting, there's no way for us to excel in the college, to excel in the trade, or to go straight to the workforce. There's no way everyone is going to excel at the same rate
0: if no one is getting the same support as everyone else is. Well, that's just an example of systemic oppression. Yes. which is which is what you mentioned, you know, in the beginning of this uh, show, and and this is something that's been going on for many, many, many years. Any, even many. Bef- even before you were born, this was going <laughs> on. So there's a long history when it comes to that. But um, Mr. President, yeah. since you're since you're <laughs> a president, I figure you can assess some of these presidential candidates now. uh. Um. Oh, now, oh. I'm not sure if you're aware, but a couple weeks ago, there was a public education forum in your backyard. <laughs> yes, there was. And, um, and um, the Democratic presidential candidates were in attendance, at least most of them were in attendance, mm-hmm. to speak on their ideas for how to improve public education in the country. Now, yeah. throughout this entire campaign, there's been very little talk about the state of public education in America, which is very surprising because without education, we wouldn't have presidents, we wouldn't have have the people that we have in our economy, anything, anything. we are the foundation. So for education to be a back burner issue in this very important election, um, I just found it disheartening. But um, I did get a chance to watch some of the highlights and important parts of the forum and i have my own thoughts about it but i'm curious just as a student as someone who is currently in you know the schools and has dealt with some of the issues that that have been shared by the candidates do you feel confident in any of their abilities as far as being equipped to improve education in our
1: country? So as someone who is finally getting to vote in a presidential election, because most of my time, (laughs) yeah, um, most of my time uh, in America, I've only seen the Obama administration because I I grew up with Obama. I was actually, I sat down. Yeah. I, I sat down and I remember exactly. I was in first grade and uh we had a day off from school. My mom said, sit down, you're watching this. And this is history being made. Mm-hmm. You know, being a being a first grader, you know, you you'll know what's going on. So wow. I sat down and my mom actually said that um the only reason I paid attention because of Sasha, uh his little his little daughter. I was only looking at her and nothing else. She <laughs> <laughs> <Mom. laughs> that's that's the only reason I was paying attention. But I was like, okay, mom, sure. But was, said, mom, mom, was
0: mom lying? <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> uh, you are no you are you, yeah you, answer you yeah, the hesitation was the answer, but but please go on
1: please go yes, on Yes, yes, I'll, I'll go on but uh, yeah, so growing up under Obama administration, being uh having that role model the only thing that you see, and then going into high school, have that transition from Obama to Trump, I started to become more involved in the policy, the politics. And I'm actually in a youth and government program called, um, that's cultivated by the YMCA. Um, and Obama is the only um, inner city school that's a part of this international program.
0: So hey, to this, be a part of that... This is why you don't get no sleep, man. Another program? <laughs> man, brother,
1: when do you sleep? Oh, listen, I'll, I'll sleep when it's all over. Um, all right, but keep going, but I'm
0: sorry.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, so to be a part of that, to understand the policy- it's crucial for us to know our rights in a world that has kind of tainted those rights for us. Yes. So to be more involved now than ever and to finally see education at the forefront of this presidential election, and like you say, it's truly sad to say that this hasn't been the forefront. For many elections in past years all right so say, do i have my faith in their ability to help improve public education yeah i don't know but i don't i can't say anything until their talk is put into effort um you, you truly can't say that something is effective until they implement it once they have that position. That's it. So every, every presidential candidate can say they're going to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, I like your X, Y, and Z. I like your blueprints. I like your map. But what are you going to do once you have that position? Yeah. So until I see some execution, then I'll say, okay, yes, I can fully back you on what you're going to say, what you say you're going to do for education.
0: All right. Very presidential answer, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, profound at the same time. Uh, So, so your time at Barack Obama Academy is coming to an end. Um, Yeah. And you've already shared, you know, you've already shared some memories, you know, during your time there. And as well as how the school itself has prepared you for that college experience. But yes. um but let's um talk about just this idea of black and brown students in public schools not just in Pittsburgh but in other metropolitan areas throughout the country. Yeah. Feeling like they don't have a voice as far as how to change the school systems where they are. Yeah. What advice would you give to students who you feel are powerless or or just believe that they don't have a voice or saying what goes on in their schools? What would you say to them? Because you're someone who's clearly unafraid to be vocal about these issues. So how can people build up that courage to to speak up and, and to advocate for what's right for them?
1: Yeah, so it's not something that can be done overnight. Sure. Um, it's not a microwave issue where you can put it on one minute and then it's done. Um it's something that you have to truly educate yourself about. You have to go to those public meetings. You have to go to the um, district. You have to learn from the perspective of the teacher, but also the student. So sometimes without pushing yourself too far into the pool, you have to sometimes sit back, take some notes and listen, but not talk. So there's not always a time where you have to talk about everything. Sure. And sometimes where it's best for you to learn by just listening. Because I didn't grow up just, oh, I'm going to talk about everything. I'm going to advocate about everything. I'm going to lift student voice anytime I can. I learned from others. It's essential for you to have that kind of approach where you know that – everything that you have done or going to do is because of yourself. It's not because of me. It's because of others that I have been influenced by. Mm. So in order for you to learn who you are and learn what your voice is and what your purpose is in life, it's sometimes best for you just to look, listen, and observe. Because that is the key idea of, what, of how you're going to achieve in anything you do. You can't just voice your opinions and think it's it, it holds weight. Like some of our presidential individuals not going to say names, not going to name drop, but sometimes, <laughs> exactly, Mr. President Trump, um, they don't think before they act. Mm-hmm. So sometimes to it's always best for you to have a game plan. It's always best for you to know what you are searching for because as long as you have some type, I'm, I'm not saying map out everything sure. because you can't know what roads may come across. You don't know what God may have for you. You don't know what kind of detours He may take you on. But just to have some type of understanding of what's going on in your own backyard, in your own community, or what's going on nationwide hmm. is crucial for you to know that as long as you are knowledgeable about the things that are going on in your own backyard or nationwide, yes. there's, there's nothing or anyone or anything that can stop you from achieving your goal. So first, listen, educate yourself, then implement what you're going to do.
0: All right. And I think the key the key step in those three is listening because I think for a lot of us, it's a skill that you have to develop. Yeah. A lot of us, a lot of us only listen to respond as opposed to listen to understand or to deepen yeah. our understanding about a particular issue. Yeah. We just want to listen in order to just respond. Cause we want to get the last word. And that's a skill that's very difficult to develop, even for adults. Yeah. I still struggle to do that sometimes, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but you work at it every single day in order to get better, just like with everything else. Um, yes, so we're winding down here, but I have a couple more questions. Now okay. you've mentioned that you want to be an educator. You have aspirations of being an educator yeah which I find so incredible, because throughout our country, we're struggling to get brothers like you to get into the classroom, yeah because education isn't considered a uh an attractive profession for for young people for a lot of reasons, yeah but man, if yeah. we have brothers like you who be you know dressing all fly and everything. And, you know, you all <laughs> cool and all that, maybe more brothers will, will want to get into the classroom, but, but just tell us, um, what, what, um, brought your interest into pursuing a Korean education as a yeah, young person? I, yeah.
1: Yeah. So for the past six, six or so years, um, I've been a part of a medical program called Journey to Medicine. And actually, I graduated from the program a few weeks ago. And, you know, once you have those grades and those, that determination to succeed in life, people are, are automatically going to think, oh, you're going to be a doctor. Sure. So, so for past years, I've only thought that I was going to be an anesthesiologist. And, you know, ha- having that vision, it's, it's okay to have that vision. But as I got closer to my uh senior year, you know, you, you have to kind of talk to yourself. Just say, do I want to be a doctor because I want to be a doctor? Or do I want to be a doctor because of outside factors dictating that I should be a doctor? Mm-hmm. And like, oh that that's not me. Because when, when I look at a doctor, yes, their their job is very important. But I see them as someone who goes in, gets the work done and leaves. They're, they're not there to nurture Anything where they're not really there to nurture an individual to help them succeed later on. I'm more of an open, more expressive person that say, Oh, hey, I'm doing this work, let me help them succeed as well. So, having that kind of recollection of myself, I'm like, Okay, so if I'm not going to be a doctor, what am I going to do? And I'm the type of person that doesn't like to not know what I'm going to do after high school or not have a plan at all. Okay, so. As I looked at my, as I looked at other things that I'm I'm involved in, I'm like, what else do I like to do? What am I interested in? What is my drive? What is my purpose? And the one thing that I could find in common with everything I do was education. Wow. And I'm like, wow, that, that is something that I've been involved in my whole life. That is something that I could see myself Doing later on, I can see that being a stepping stone into my future and within politics and a lot of my uh mentors, a lot of my role models have been educators, like you said mr. Patterson, he has been someone that has influenced me since I was in kindergarten he has been someone that has nurtured me wow. since kindergarten, and then my past uh, pr- uh, principal of Obama Academy, who is now the assistant superintendent of PPS, Dr. Wayne Walters. He has someone that has also nurtured me as well. So to be in those administrative positions and to see the inner workings of a school, of a district, that is something that I can see myself doing for I almost, say, I almost say the rest of my life because that is something that is essential to the ever-growing foundation of this great nation because you cannot say oh i'm a doctor or i'm a lawyer without saying oh first i was educated by an educator so to be someone who can say that i can see myself within that role that's something i can truly say that after high school i would like to say i would like to be in an administrative position because that is where i'll be most effective because being in the African American CAS Executive Committee, that's essentially an example of something that I'm doing. Just because I'm the president of the Executive Committee, I'm also teaching them as well. I'm teaching them how to organize something that not only benefits themselves, but also benefits their fellow student body. Um, actually, my first this is my, my first year, I created a contract of commitment. And within this contract of commitment, I basically outlined their role as an AACS Executive Committee member and how essential their newfound role is because they're not only representing themselves, they're representing their student body, they're representing their fellow Executive Committee members, and they're also representing the community at large. So as long as they understand that they're not only on this path by themselves, but they're also on the path for others, that is something that, is forever, wow, this is forever expounded on because not many professions can say that they have such an influence that an educator has. So as I as I figure out what I'm going to do after high school, I could truly say that I would like to be a superintendent of a school district because that is a type of role that is so integral to the success of not just one, but many students. And I have seen the do's and nots of that position. And to say that I have a assistant superintendent as a role model, and to have him kind of guide me into what a superintendent should do and should not do, and what I should be leaning towards as when it comes to my higher education, I can say that being a, a superintendent of a school district is kind of my calling. And it, it's something that I can further excel as well, When, I, like I said, within politics. So my goal is to be a superintendent, maybe even the mayor of uh, Pittsburgh or another city, and then become uh, a secretary of education. And then depending on wow. the political climate of that current time, maybe president. But these are only my stepping stones this is only my blueprints my map like i said it can be changed over time but to have that vision right now is crucial because if you if you don't have a vision then your vision can be skewed by anything and everything so i'm, I'm gonna keep on my vision and keep on my path of being a future educator and a future change agent of this world
0: that's crazy you have a blueprint man yes sir. you already have a blueprint plan as a high school senior yes now yes sir That that's just it's wild because when i was thinking about blueprint all i kept thinking about was jay-z you know blueprint album you know i was in college i was bumping that blueprint album i didn't have a <laughs> blueprint for like my life but i was bumping the blueprint album so you can kind of see what it <laughs> was at the time but um yeah but man like whew. Like I'm at a loss for words, man, but uh, uh, you, you are you. truly an inspiration, man. You, you are truly an inspiration, not just to your peers, man, but for, for even teachers like me. You're, like, you're an example of why I continue to do the work that I do because, man, you give me hope, man. You give me hope. This is why we work. This is why we work so hard because we know what's possible. Yeah. Brothers like you excelling. And achieving at high levels and aspiring to be bigger than what people say you're going to be. Exactly. That's what pushes us to do more. Like we we can't take days off. So, (laughs) so man, like, man, I thank you, man, for just your advocacy. I thank you for your vision. I thank you for your, your sacrifices too, because. Most 17, 18 year olds, man, they chilling, man. They probably in their room, they playing Madden, they're playing 2K, they go into the mall, they go into mm-hmm. the prom. You know, they they're living their life there as kids, but you you have a a much bigger vision that's transcendent. Yes, sir. It's transcendent. And that's and that's inspiring, you know, because there are a lot of people who are my age and even older who spend an entire lifetime trying to figure out what they want to do, how they want to impact the world. So for you to already have that at such a young age, it just pushes us to want to do more, man, to support you and others like you. So, so thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. But, um, Oh, one last thing. So among all the incredible things you're doing, there's also a a production that's coming up in your neighborhood right (laughs) yeah um there's the the august wilson center ring a bell i believe you're you're a project manager for a production that's coming up called the movement for the youth so you want to tell us a little bit about that production and how people in your community can help make it a success
1: yeah, um, so a really good friend of mine, her name is Jamaica Johnson. Actually, I met her uh, in the ASAS executive committee during my ninth year. And we were actually the only two freshman uh, students within the uh, exec- executive committee. And we have grown uh, up, basically grown up together. We're really close friends. And she actually wrote and produced her own play. And being such good friends, we are, she was like, oh, Cece, you want to be the project manager for this play? I'm like, okay, cool. So the play is called Untitled, and it actually talks about the lives of Black youth and the struggles they experience in the society. It's, it's not really a traditional play, uh, having one main character, one storyline. It's actually a series of theatrical pieces and spoken word about the different subjects that Black youth face in the society. And just having someone like Jamaica have having written this play and to have her come to me say, do you want to manage this? I could not say no to that. And we actually have auditions coming up uh, next Saturday, January 4th, and we're just getting ready to see those bright-minded young individuals who like to sing, dance, act, and also perform for the movement for the youth. So, actually, I, I grew up a theater kid, and that's how I got my Kind of confidence to speak out and to be someone who is in charge of a production, not only for a piece but also for a piece that I know that's going to be influ- influential to youth across Pittsburgh. is something that I cannot say no to. So I, I'm truly
0: excited to have this wow. happening so soon. Wow, that's that. That is amazing. That's amazing. But yes. man, um, shout, out Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Jamaica. Yes. <laughs> Got a lot of friends from Jamaica, but, um, yeah, man, this, this has just been an incredible um episode. I mean, I get excited for every episode, but this one is particularly special as I mentioned in the beginning, man. So, uh, thank you Cecil for, for taking the time to talk and thank you. And listen, um, We definitely want to do what we can to support you as you make that transition to college. So I don't know if you have a a Venmo or a Cash App. I mean, I know you have scholarship offers, man, but people want to try to donate to help you get into the college that you want, you know.
1: Yeah. Hey, if you want to help
0: me on at Cash
1: Price3rd, you can see me on Instagram at Cecil Price3RD or on, on Facebook at Cecil Price the third. If you want to reach out see what I'm doing as a student ambassador, I'm not doing this for myself. Um, I'm doing it for the greater the uh, greater good because with my platform I can show that there are black males, also black youth doing well in this society. You cannot believe everything that's perceived about our people. So as long as you see people like me, I'm not the only one that's doing well. There are many Black brothers and sisters doing well in this world. So just I'm just one out of many. So if you want to follow me on those social media platforms, if you want to help me succeed in my future endeavors, I am truly thankful and blessed for your continuous involvement in my life. Um, Shout out to my mom. Shout out to my godfather, my sisters, my student body, uh, my role models, Mr. Patterson, Dr. Wayne Walters, everyone that has done something in my life to be a future change agent, change maker, and fellow brother, son,
0: friend. Thank you. Wow. And that is the perfect way to end this episode of A Day Talk for Educators Live. And as Cecil said, please, please support him. He is doing such phenomenal work in his community in Pittsburgh. We need to show this brother some love virtually. So please make sure you follow him. I'm going to make sure I do that myself
1: after we get <laughs> off
0: this recording. But yes, um, like I said, it's been phenomenal, man. Cecil, you keep up the great work. And yes, um, okay. whatever you need, brother, man, I got you, man. I, I got you. Just, just know Thank that. Thank you. Um, but this is, before I sign off, actually, if you want to follow me on social media, <laughs> you can go on this YouTube page and follow my channel, which is just my whole name, Kwame Mensa. You can see more episodes of the show, as well as videos on professional development and teaching motivation. You can also follow me on Instagram at KWAM underscore the underscore identity underscore shaper. You can find me on Facebook at Identity Talk Consulting LLC and on Twitter at Identity Shaper and all other social media platforms. So this is your boy Kwame from mensa and on behalf of Cecil Price III, we wish you all a happy holidays. And a happy new year as we approach it. So thank you. Let's keep on inspiring these students, including Cecil. And (laughs) God bless everybody, wherever you are. Have a great day. All right.